Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. If you've listened to this podcast before, you may know exactly how I feel about diets and the toxic diet culture we're surrounded by. And if you haven't, let me just say that if I could abolish all diets and make it so that nobody ever started day one of a diet, I would in a heartbeat. There would be no hesitation. And I would do anything to be able to get rid of the messages out there that someone's value and worth are based on their size and appearance. But sadly, I do not have that ability. But what I do have is this podcast and this platform to continually say these things in the hope that if there are enough of us out there speaking up about the dangers of diets and countering the harmful, erroneous beliefs and messages out there, that there can be change. And today's guest is also someone who is out of the same mindset as me, and she's out there trying to make a positive impact on other people's lives by sharing her journey with dieting, her body, and food. Rachel Landvin wrote her first book, The Donut Diaries, about her own struggles with weight and restrictive diets, which lasted over 30 years. As Rachel turned 40, the expression, quote, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, quote, hit home, and she made a decision to take her power back and heal from decades of negative thinking and self-sabotage. Rachel began to do the work on on her mind, body, and soul. Writing her book was her way of sharing her message to women that you're not alone. Now using her book, Rachel wants to help people who have or still are experiencing negative body image. By using what she now refers to as her three pillars of fitness, nourishment for both the mind and body, movement, and rest. Her mission is to create a safe space for all women to feel whole in their body, and she's here with us today. All right, well, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. It's a little bit later here for me, so my energy level might be a little, like, on the downward slope. (laughs) What's our time difference at three hours? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Um, yeah, I'm on the West coast, you're in the East coast. So I'm sure people listening understand that time difference when they're talking to people sometimes. So sure. Um, so you've had quite a journey. Um, and that's what we're really here to talk about today. Like how you got to where you're at today. Um, it's quite interesting and you're trying to make a big impact on people's lives now. Um, so wondering how did you get here? (laughs) Well, it all started. No, I'm just kidding. I just have been, you know, on like many women on that diet roller coaster for the better part of my life and very hyper aware of how different my body was developing at a very young age and just kind of stayed on that and just was on every fad diet you can ever imagine. Felt like I always had to be thinking about my body and how to get it to its smallest version And at 40 years old, I guess you could say I finally achieved that. I was a size zero for the first time in my life. I was 
getting all this attention that I really didn't know how to handle. And at the same time, I felt very miserable. I felt like this was not right. I, I didn't feel like I was still yet in the right body. And as I was turning 40, I had a very real, very visceral, um, emotional meltdown, breakdown, if you will. And I just was like, I want to be happy. How do I get there? How do I get there? How do I stop worrying about my body? How do I stay active and healthy and all the things without having to think about myself all day, every day? And if I can stop here for a second, of course, you said, how do I get happy? And I think a lot of people listening would be like, oh my gosh, like you reached your goal. That's what I'm trying to reach this perfect body, whatever the size. And I mean, I remember this myself thinking, if I got to that size, that's happiness, then I'll be happy. And here you are, you reached it and you're going, now I want to be happy. I'm not happy. And so I'm actually wondering, did you have that too? Thinking once I get there, once I reach this, I'll be finally happy. Oh, of course. That was my mantra. As soon as I lose this weight, I'll find love. As soon as I get there, I'll be happy and have all these plans as soon as, you know, so it was always waiting for the weight to come off before anything good could happen to me. And it's just such a waste of our gift that we've been given, which is our life. And at 40 years old, I didn't want to do that anymore. Did that shock you a little bit to get there and realize everything you've worked or worked, I guess, quote unquote, worked for everything you focused your entire life on to achieve once you got there? It wasn't what you thought it was going to be. You didn't reach this like, you know, euphoric happiness and your life wasn't this magical life you envisioned. It was quite a shock, you know, because we've been told as women our whole life, if you're this big, you can have all the things. Mm-hmm. And so being that big and still in this like emotional, mental turmoil, I, I realized, I think at that moment, and I, and I know my journey was meant to be that way for a reason, because I could not be sitting here with you in this very loving, peaceful state and not a size zero anymore. <laughs> well, that's true. And I, I know I oftentimes say that to people is, you know, the path, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, happiness is paid with hell. And then once you get there, I mean, when, you know, the pressure's really on now that you've reached that, like, do you really think you can let up on all the things that got you there? (laughs) Mm -mm, You cannot. And I really did not want to live the latter part of my life, like on a lettuce diet. That didn't sound great. (laughs) That's not happy. (laughs) That is definitely the opposite of happy. (laughs) So what, I mean, at this point, are you trying to figure out like what is happiness or what's going to like bring you happiness? Like, did you even have a sense at that point? Because it sounds like you had already envisioned or defined happiness by looking a certain way or being a certain size. So now that you realize, oh my gosh, that isn't it. What did you do? So I decided that it was really time to get to know me and who I am and let go of all these things I thought I had to be and just be. And as simple as that sounds at that moment, it was the scariest, hardest thing I've ever done. And I really had to look inside and I had to deal with my trauma. I had to deal with my relationship with my mother. I had to deal with my relationship with men, 
all the things that I was looking outward for to make me whole, I had to realize that, that, um, no, only I, only Rachel can make Rachel whole. And I spent the, you know, a couple of years kind of dealing with all that and just making sure that I was experiencing life at the same time. I love to tell people I was living in New York City at the time, and there's no better place to be a single woman. There's no better place, or was, (laughs) there was no better place than to do things by yourself. And so I really started taking advantage of that. And it was it was a beautiful learning lesson and I'm very grateful for that time. So it's interesting, you know, as you're saying, I mean, you said, oh, it sounds like a simple thing. And I'm thinking, no, it doesn't. Um, because I think a lot of people would get to that point. And I mean, you know, I've experienced it with people I work with and they're going, okay, like I've got to find the next best diet to your point, or I don't know how to eat now. Somebody's always told me how to eat or some diets always told me how to eat or some program. Like, I don't know what to do at all. Like I'm a fish out of water or I'm scared, you know, now that people have seen me like this, or I know I can look like this, like everyone's going to think I'm a failure again, or I am a failure Mm -hmm. or, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to go on in the mind and to even get to the point where you did of realizing it's deeper stuff that you Mm -hmm. were distracting yourself from thinking, oh, if I look like this. I don't have to deal with all this other stuff that's in the background that I've been avoiding, like your trauma, relationship issues, whatnot. Like, mm-hmm. how did you get to that point? Because I think that that's a huge leap for people to realize that you are connected. Well, it wasn't just one thing. I mean, I've been in and out of therapy for many, many years, and I had finally found a really good therapist. I was reading, you know, I always believe that when you put something out in the universe, it really answers back. And and puts the people in your life that maybe you need to hear something or a book that you need to read. And so all these things just kept coming into my life at the right time, the right message. So it wasn't going away. And I really just kind of stopped being afraid of doing the work. I think that a lot of times, you know, like you were mentioning with your clients and patients that it gets to a point where it's like, this is really uncomfortable. And it's a lot easier to just kind of go back to what you know. And I had done that so many times previously that I was like, no, no. And having this conversation with myself, keep going, keep going. And I just remember thinking at the end of it, I'm going to be free. And that's what I really, really wanted. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, that's fantastic that you had had the background with therapy and the experience. Um, If anyone's listening out there, like what maybe message could you tell them to kind of get them to understand that there is that link between, you know, what you were doing with all the dieting and, you know, trying to look a certain way and, you know, all the unresolved issues that you were needing to deal with. I love to say this. And, and again, I hope it's very simple and non-judgmental in any way, but the minute that you stop thinking about yourself so much, and that means what you just, said my body how to stay small how to get this how to get that the minute you stop thinking that way your mind and your heart open up to so many different things and you're allowing yourself to have a life a life of experiences and and meeting people and seeing different places traveling I mean there's nothing better to learn about yourself than experiencing other things and getting out of your own head. And it's, 
hard. It's hard because it's a habit most of us have, but with the right kind of, I think, motivation, the right kind of tools and something that you are pretty stern with yourself about, like, I'm going to do this. I want to have a better life. Well, that starts with you. Now, kind of shifting gears a little bit. So we talked about like your dieting with, you know, what you were doing with food, but what were you doing on the body front in terms of like your relationship with exercise and um, did that transition over time as well? Like, tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit about that journey. Sure. I look, the beautiful thing about my movement journey is that I was always very active kid. My parents were really open to letting me try all kinds of sports. I mean, I did uh, gymnastics, I did dance, I did swim, I was an ice skater, I skied. So I really was able to move my body and that, that felt very normal. But what the correlation that kept, I kept missing was that the nutrition and the movement have to, you know, kind of find each other and work together. I never felt like I could have one without the other. And when I did try to have one without the other, my body kind of just because I, I accept this about myself. I'm not putting myself down. I am not a naturally thin person. I wasn't born that way. I cannot just not do anything and stay thin. That's just not my body type. So when I would, you know, forego exercise for a, a while and eat like a teenager, of course, weight would come on. It's just, you know, now I know <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. But Then there were points in my life where I was like, nope, I got to work out twice a day. I got to do this and I got to eat lettuce and then I'll be good. So until, you know, very recently did my relationship with food and exercise uh, really kind of even out and become something that is, yes, a part of my life, but it doesn't run my life. I mean, I would love it if we could, as a society, make them two separate entities because they are right? We have this mentality, you know, food, you know, eat less, exercise more. And I think that is a horrible message. First of all, I think that's kind of a, in my clinical sense, like kind of a bulimia mindset, you know, it's like for what you eat, you've got to compensate and burn off. And that's very eating disorder thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I always wonder like, why are they tied? They're two totally separate things that have two totally separate effects on your health. Like, like to your point, you know, you grew up just moving and being active and probably having fun doing these things and weren't thinking about like what you ate that day or we're going to eat later. Right. And that was great. Right. They were totally not tied at that point in your life. And somewhere along the way, you probably can't even pinpoint when they did become tied. And you probably did have those thoughts like, Oh, how much movement did I do today? How many calories did I burn, you know, compared to what I ate today? Or can I, you know, earning your food based on how much you moved or didn't move, you know, when you said like, I got to work out two times a day. It's like, that's it. That takes up so much of your life, right? Um, and for so many people with eating disorders, right? Fitting in the exercise will detract from other things in your life to put it ahead right. of social events, people, school, work, whatever. Um, I mean, that's it, that's mind-boggling, right? It's such the illness really takes over. Well, I don't know if it's okay to say this because I'm definitely realized that anorexia and bulimia are very, very real things. I've known women my whole life. But if I were to say that all of us women have an eating disorder, I feel like that's pretty accurate. You know, a lot of us don't, to your point, have any idea how to eat to be nourished 
for energy. It's all about the least amount of calories that will keep me alive. Well, yes. Um, It's shocking. You know, I'll go on to social media, which, you know, there's good and bad. But I think when there's really harmful messages out there, which there are many, um, they're very harmful. Um, You know, I don't like to talk numbers, but when I consistently see, um, you know, this is what I eat in a day posts or the number of calories that are advocated, you know, that women eat in a day, um, I'm shocked. It's so low. It is, it is starvation level. And people think that's the normal level. Um, and I'll have patients come in saying like, oh, you know, this is what I need to eat in a day. I'm going, where are you getting this information? Who told it to you? And it's all coming from social media, right? So I think your point that people are getting information from all these sources that are not, you know, good sources. Um, and this mindset of like, yeah, I, it, it, I think they think that's the average that they need to eat. And then dieting is like even less. So yes, you, to your point, like people are out there just starving and they do not know actually what they do need to eat. When I tell them <laughs> how much an average woman does need to eat, they're so much, you know, it's not, it's just, nobody's talking about like what we actually do need to eat on a daily basis to stay alive, to keep our bodily functions going, to, you know, keep our hearts pumping and our lungs breathing and our bones like healthy and strong and prevent illness and our brains thinking. I mean, it's, it's a lot to keep this body of ours going and, and healthy. I know. I know. We have a long road ahead of us, but I feel like because the more I do things like this and the more amazing women like you, I meet, I know that this time it's not going to go away and I'm happy about that. Well, I mean, you're, you're out there doing the work too, which is great. You know, like you said, this all happened for a reason. Um, Mm -hmm. And so did you get to a point where you said, okay, I I've got to do something more with what I've experienced. Like what was that like for you? How did you get that realization? Well, I have been a, personal trainer for 20 years. And my daily experience with other women is tell me what to do to get small. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I drank that Kool-Aid too for a long, long time. And so now realizing that so many women feel so alone in this and get so upset because they can't have the body they think they should. And with my story, I want to inspire you and support you that you can be free of this. You can be happy. I don't come from a science background. I don't come from, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor like you. I am a woman with an experience that's shared with other women. And I want to talk about it. I want to, I want to normalize the fact that women can be different sizes, shapes, heights, colors, you know, whatever. And we can still all be there for each other. We can still support each other. Even if I don't look like you or you don't look like me, it's, it's not a race. It's not a competition, you know? So that's what I am doing with my personal training experience and my own experience as a woman is trying to help any generation, because I hear it from every generation. I can only eat this. I can't eat that. I got it. You know, so it's not just the young girls. It's not um, my age. It's, I mean, it's literally across the board. And why 
why spend the rest of your life hating your body when you don't have to? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, it's a wasted time, wasted energy, wasted effort. And, you know, how many people do you know or work with that they spend all this time, effort and energy and they never achieve or even if they do achieve like you did? Um, that goal, it's not sustainable and they feel awful. Um, like you said, your body wasn't meant to be that size. Um, and many people's bodies aren't meant to be the size they want it to be. You know, they're very, they do very unhealthy, dangerous things to themselves and the very dangerous, mm -hmm. unhealthy lifestyles to reach, to try to reach that size or that look. Um, that's, you know, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we not saying like, you know, health among, you know, when I say health, not just physical health, but emotional health, you know, like emotional well-being, social health, everything. Why is it not one big package? You think, I'm just wondering your take on it. Like, why is it just everything comes down to what the size is and what women look like? Well, I think part of it, like, like you said, is society. It's I'm sure since you were a young girl, been ingrained in your head, mommy's on a diet, you know, grandma's been on a diet, you know, women only eat this, they don't eat that. And so we were almost born with this mindset, unfortunately. And then our mothers and the women in our family or the women we grew up only just made that worse because they were always on a diet. And it gets trickled down to every single generation. And that's why it's so important to me to talk to moms about how they talk to their girls and how they talk about themselves in front of their kids. Because where else did I learn what a diet was? Because my mom was on a diet and she put me on a diet. It's, I mean, it's, again, it's very simple what we experience, but we make it so hard. And if we can just start to be aware of how we talk to ourselves and how we're talking to and about other women, we can really make some change. But unfortunately, it is, I, I truly believe I came out of my mom and I was like, and I'm on a diet. I mean, it's just, that's the way it feels. Right. And I think that's true. I think um, a lot of conversations uh, amongst women um, are about what you're eating, what diet you're on, you know, not liking their bodies, all of these things. And I think um, that can be really hard too for someone who's trying to not continue to engage in those conversations like I hear this a lot from people um that I work with you know oh, gosh I can't be in the lunchroom at work because everyone's talking about the newest diet or what they can't eat or this and it's really hard to kind of grapple with like like it's everywhere everyone's talking about this and you know how do you you know disengage from that and you know not be part of the conversation um or even you know, be someone like yourself and maybe say something that's anti-diet or, you know, I don't know. Do you ever interject and say something? Um, you know, I have to be honest. I'm still learning how to do that because I don't want to come across like I'm judging you because I'm not, but it is infuriating when the same things are being repeated amongst women that I heard 30 years ago. You know, you can't eat that. You can't have too much sugar. You can't. So sometimes I just take myself out of the conversation or I change the subject because I'm not, 
I'm not good enough at presenting my case without being angry about it. So I'm really working on that. I'm really working on that because I know that most women and I, and I was the same way. You could not tell me that I could eat a donut and not get fat. There's no way you could convince me of that. And I know that mindset still exists. So how do I, how do I pivot and have the conversation? Like one food is not going to make you fat tomorrow without being like, you know, a crazed lunatic. So I'm still working on that. <laughs> well, anger is a great emotion. It's got a lot of power, a lot of energy. And actually that can, you know, really motivate people, um, you know, to do things like you're doing saying like, I'm so angry, you know, maybe that it took so many years of my life or, you know, hurt me so much. I want to like make a change. And I think, you know, anger gets a bad rap. So yeah, maybe you're afraid <laughs> if you vocalize it in the moment is going to come out as aggressive or something and turn people off. But um sounds like you're taking that anger, you know, trying to get your message out there in a way that's not aggressive and trying to really help people. So thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, you're making a, a bigger statement, you know, um, so yeah, how did you get to that point? I mean, yeah, people listening are probably going, oh my gosh, you know, I can't imagine not thinking that, that like certain foods are bad or, you know, quote unquote bad or, you know, not okay to eat, or I'm scared of these foods, you know, the fear foods. Um, how did you shift? I think when I really started to have a better relationship with myself, I started to, pick apart the lies that I had been telling myself and the lies that I had learned. And instead of being continue to stay in my trauma and be hurt by the things people said to me, I started to think about like, this is none of your business and you don't know what you're talking about either. I know that if I sit down and have a donut, it's not going to show up on my body in 15 minutes. And the kind of expressions that women love to throw out a moment on the lips, a lifetime, you know, all those disgusting things that we've been taught to, to think and feel about our bodies. I literally stopped. I stopped asking people how I looked. I stopped asking people, well, should I eat? I, I just stopped. And I started thinking for myself and I started behaving in a way that brought me the most peace. And so again, it's not an overnight thing. I wish it was. It's taken a long time to get here. And I have a mantra that I would love to share with your audience. And if you do have people in your life who talk about your food in any way that makes you uncomfortable, you just say, you know what? My body is not up for discussion. Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> How do people react when you say that? It literally just puts done, mm. done. Because no one ever stands up for themselves when it comes to food. Like, oh my God, you're going to eat all that? Oh my God, you're not going to eat that? I mean, whatever the spectrum is. Guess what? What's on my plate is none of your beeswax. It's, and people make comments all the time. And, you know, you, you said the magic word of should. <laughs> I shouldn't eat that. I should eat this. And I think being aware of that word is interesting. It's like, well, maybe even challenging that. Like, who says? Like. What do you want exactly to your point? Like, what do you want to eat? Not what you should or shouldn't eat. Like, those are rule based. Um, mm -hmm. like, what did you ever get to the point where you're like, what do I want to eat? And this is what's on my plate. Yeah. I mean, I had like at 40 years old, I had a big hardcore wake up call because I didn't know how to cook. I was a latchkey kid. 
everything I ate growing up was microwaved in a package in a box. And so when I started working with an anti-inflammatory, I can never say this word, anti-inflammatory nutritionist, there we go. Um, she's like, yeah, so we're going to make food. And I said, you mean buy food? She's like, no, you're going to make it. And now that I have learned how to cook food and nourish my body with all kinds of food, there really is no going back for me. I mean, yes, of course I love to eat in a restaurant. I love to go out to lunch with my girlfriends and have tacos, but I can also make really good tacos at home. And I can, I know what's going into my body because I'm preparing it. And that's just for me, that makes me comfortable. That's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you really made a 180 with food and really kind of, it sounds like you kind of enjoy it now, which is great to hear because I think a lot of people hate food or they just are like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I could just take a pill and not eat. I don't know if you were ever at that point, but. I used to get angry that I was hungry. I used to get angry at my body because I needed to eat something that my stomach would growl. Mm. I mean, how can I be such a fat person and still be hungry? I literally didn't understand. And I felt betrayed by my body for many years. But now that me and my bod have a great trusting relationship, I'm like, okay, stop fighting it. It's time to eat. Great. Moving, eat, moving on and going on about my day. I mean, the struggle that you're talking about is, is very real. And I understand that. And the more that I can help women, um, heal from that, I, I really hope that uh, we're talking like a global phenomenon for me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there that really do feel that like their body's betraying them, that they're not doing the right thing for their body to not be the size they want it to be they must be doing something wrong and everyone else is doing something right like they have a magic body that like just doesn't do what everyone else's does um and you're you're right you know it starts young like we're even noticing you know young 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 girls like kindergarten girls uh, elementary school girls are saying very horrible things about their bodies and talking diet talk and that scares me getting younger Mm -hmm. and younger and the numbers are increasing in percentage um, right. so there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of messages like yours to be spread. Um, and you know, you said the word donut. So I'm going to kind of go back to that. Like you, you've written something about, uh, all this. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Of course. My book is titled the donut diaries. And I mean, other than such an adorable title, it is kind of a personal message for me because donuts were something that made me happy when I was a kid. It was something that was a treat. I got to have a donut. My uncle would take me to a donut shop and I got to pick my own. I mean, it was just always such a happy memory. And then as an adult, you grow up and it's like, well, that's got to go on the list of something I can never eat again. And so when I decided to write my book, I was like, this is probably the simplest way to deliver my message, how you can literally have a 180 mind shift change about a food about an entire family of foods, whatever. But that's why I titled my book that. Right. That is such a cute name. You're right. It's catchy, right? <laughs> um, so, and so is the book out now? Is it? Yes. Okay. It was uh, released out into the world of October of 2021. So it's been, it's been on Amazon for a while. And 
you know, it's the, the basis of getting on these podcasts and it's kind of like my little stepping stone to doing what I'm doing now. So yeah, I loved writing it and I would love to write another one. Um, we're not quite there yet, but yeah, figuring out how to market yourself after you've written a book, that's a lot, takes a lot of energy. Well, but I think it's important when you have a good message that's, you know, the diet and beauty industry message, the diet culture message is so loud um, and rightfully mm-hmm. so, right? Like I think if any of us, if you had $72 billion to like market your message, it'd be the loudest one too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the message of, you know, the people that don't, that are counter to that message, it's, it's so much quieter. Um, I think it's gaining traction. Um, but yeah, how do you get, how do you get it out there? Um, especially because to your point, people hear it and go, no, like they don't want to hear it or they're close to it. They're like, come on, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, Cause they're so ingrained in this mindset that like, you know, you only have value and worth and are healthy if you're in a certain body size. Um, and so scary, it's actually scary, I think, for people to think otherwise. Yes, it is very. But to answer your question, I think just how 10 years ago I had to change my mindset about how I perceived my own body. I have to understand how this industry works and it is not going to be an overnight thing. And, but it's, it's true. It's valuable. And I do believe that people need to hear it. So even on the days where I'm like, yep, I'm done. (laughs) I, I put myself out there continuously because I'm still figuring out how to share my message. And luckily the, this is the day and the age of podcasting. And I have been on podcasts all over the world. So I'm definitely getting my message out there that way. I feel like getting involved with my community and women's groups here is a good way to go, but I'm figuring it out every day. Great. Um, very inspiring. Um, I'm curious, like now that you've kind of gone through the whole, you know, thing and you're out the other end, um, thinking back to when you were, you know, not of this mindset, do you think mm-hmm. anyone could have given you the message you're sending out? the world now and you would have listened at all probably not I I do believe that you hear something a thousand times and then on that thousand and one time you're like oh yeah and it hits you you have to be ready and that's why I don't get angry because my business isn't moving at light speed because I do I remember that I remember that and I tell myself that every day because I would have given up like a year ago if I would have, you know, thought, thought had a different mindset. So yes, I think that you have to be ready. I think that you have to want it. I think you have to want to think and feel differently. Yes, absolutely. Um, Cause I can imagine people listening kind of going, yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of glossing over it. Kind of, I felt the yes, but yeah, well, okay. But I'm going to go back to the way I think and the way I'm doing things is there the way I want to do things and, um, you know, hopefully, right. Like they'll hear enough people saying opposite messages and see people who are living lives and they're fulfilling and happy and maybe go, well, okay. They're happy. Like what's going on there. That's different. Um, I mean, could you kind of describe like your life now versus what it was like then? Like how's the day to day? Like, how do you feel? What's different for you? 
every single morning I wake up grateful and every night I go to bed grateful. And I do want to be so honest with your listeners. Do I have my moments where I look in a mirror and go, what the hell? Yeah, I do. But luckily I remind myself that I believe that I was unacceptable and unlovable and in a fat body for 40 years. For me to think that 11 years down the road, I'm never going to have a negative thought. That's almost like, (laughs) you know, living in that same mindset. So I appreciate those moments. I appreciate them for how far I've come. And I get to tell myself, you're safe, you're beautiful, you're in the right body today. Because I have many mantras that I tell myself, and it gets me through those tough moments when I do feel like maybe this is not the right body for me either. So yeah, I mean, do I get to have many, many, many more moments where I don't even think about myself and think about my body? Yes. And that's why when those little moments of negativity sneak back in, I'm able to course correct them with a very, very true belief system about who I am. Now back when you were in it and it was really bad with thoughts like that or moments like that kind of take over your whole day. Oh yeah. If I would have caught a glimpse of myself in a mirror or store window, I would have literally turned around and gone home and I would cry and cry and cry and, you know, try to eat healthy for a few days and then fall off the bandwagon or I'd eat healthy for a few months and lose 10. I mean, the cycle was so vicious and all consuming that that's what I was trying to, I I hope that I explained it in the beginning of our podcast that I had no time to think about anything or anyone else for almost four years because I was always thinking about my body and that it was not the right body. Mm -hmm. So I get to be 95% free of that. All right. So people want to find you, your book, hear more about your message. Um, How can they do that? Yes, please find me Rachel Lavin Wellness across social media. My website is also Rachel Lavin Wellness. And then my book, The Donut Diaries with a UGH is on Amazon. Awesome. All right. Well, Rachel, this has been a pleasure. I always love hearing people's stories and I love when people get the message out there. So um, I hope that you just continue doing that and do your work. I know it sounds like it's been frustrating sometimes, but it's inspiring that you, you are doing this and continue. So thank you very much for everything you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for having me on your show. You're helping me get my message out. <laughs> All right. Thank you. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find